Hey, Reveal, welcome to Transformed, the series that doesn't end. We've been on a seven-year journey. Okay, seven weeks, but it feels like seven years. A uh, seven-week journey uh, about transformation, about life change. We've been positioning ourselves uh, in front of the Holy Spirit for the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit does, and that is change us, transform us. But although our transformation ends today, our series, our transformation does not end today. Our transformation, as we've been saying, is a lifelong process that uh, Philippians 1, 6, that he who began the good work in you will continue that good work until the day of Christ Jesus. So do not let your transformation end here. Uh, continue, find uh, a new topic, find a book, find a, uh, a DVD, find some material in the Right Now Media uh, website that our church pays for, Reveal pays for, for you to grow. That's our, our gift to you. So find something to continue your transformation. Now, we've covered a lot over the last seven weeks. Uh, we've talked um, about uh, physical health and spiritual health, mental, emotional, relational. We talked about financial health, and today we're going to talk about vocational health. Did you know that God wants us to be healthy in our vocation. God wants us to be healthy in our jobs, in our careers. He doesn't, he doesn't want our jobs to be life-sucking. He doesn't want them to be slowly eroding the foundation of our lives. He wants us to be fruitful and vibrant and strong even in our vocations. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, yeah, but you don't know my job. You don't know my boss. And you don't know the people that I work with because they're all crazy. I, I get it, but let, let's just kind of put that on hold for a second and let's see what God has to say about our topic. Because remember, we do not live like the rest of the world, which means we do not work like the rest of the world. In other words, uh, our job should not be causing us to conform to work like everyone else. Remember the passage that is, has pushed us forward is do not... Conform to the pattern of this world. Do not live like everyone else lives. Do not be like everyone else. Do not work like everyone else works. But what? But be transformed high by the renewing of our mind. That means that we need our mind renewed even in this area of our vocation. In the late 70s, there was an artist by the name of Johnny Paycheck who uh, recorded a song that became the anthem for the American workforce. Uh, allow me to read just some of the words that uh, Johnny Paycheck put to music. He said, well, that foreman, he's a riggedy dog. The line boss, he's a fool. Got a brand new flat top haircut. Lord, he thinks he's cool. One of these days, I'm going to blow my top and that sucker's going to pay. Lord, I can't wait to see their faces when I get the nerve to say, take this job and... <coughs> I'm sorry, I choked on something there. The song, it was the number one hit. Uh, it, 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 the album went platinum. It even inspired a movie. Now, I know you're thinking, I don't, I don't know what that song is. Well, first, you have to be over 40 and white to know that song. Okay, so uh, as a follower of Jesus, uh, we can, we're going to put a slightly different spin on Paycheck's song. And, and it's, we're, we're, how about we do this? We're, we're going to take this job and love it. I know that's really cheesy, but work with me. I'm, I'm, I'm tired at this point. Uh, the Gallup poll uh, came out years ago about the American workforce, and it said on average there's some 100 million plus uh, Americans, uh, a little over 100 million Americans, who are full-time employed. Uh, and of that 100 million, 
they found that 70 million employees either hated their jobs or were simply checked out of their current employment. Now, this may not come as a surprise to you because some of you are like, I don't need Gallup to tell me that. I've been saying for years that that 70% of the people at my job do absolutely nothing. But this is an interesting find. 70% either hate their jobs or are fully checked out on their jobs. And let's face it, on Monday, that could be upwards of 95% of people who are checked out. Well, what many people think is that if I could just move up in the company, if I could get a promotion, if I could get a raise, if I could make more money, then it would change how I feel about my job. But that's not really what the poll found. It found that the average employee, 70% hated their job. And in upper management, that number didn't change much. 64% still unhappy with their jobs. How do these numbers stack up with other occupations, manufacturing or production workers? 76% unhappy. Transportation workers, 75% unhappy. Construction, 70%. Office and clerical, 70%. Percentage of nurses, 67%. Physicians, 66%. What's more, uh, Gallup found that uh, on-the-job perks, like free lunch, staff outings, ping-pong table, whatever else that might be, did very little to change someone's opinion of their job. In other words, regardless of what you do or the environment in which you do it, the bottom line is the same, that the American workforce is generally bored and unhappy with their careers. I find that that interesting. Expert tells us that three factors that influence our opinion about our work. The first one is insignificance. Insignificance, the idea is that what we do does not matter. It's this idea uh, that, that, that what we do is not contributing to the greater good. Now, as children, we're told that we can become anything, we can do anything, and we can make a lot of money doing it. And then as adults, we step back and we look at our day's work and we think, I really did nothing and I was paid next to nothing. Uh, and this adds to our frustration. The, the second part of the storm is this idea of insecurity. We are possibly now more insecure about our careers than at any other time, at least in our lifetime. I mean, this coronavirus has, has set everything, every, everyone's job teetering on the edge, the threat of downsizing or right-sizing or layoffs or pay cuts. And with the stroke of a pen, thousands of people losing their jobs, being laid off. It, 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 there seems to be very little loyalty to employees. They're seen as disposable assets, and it all adds up to job insecurity. The last part of the storm is incessant. Now, what I mean by that is that our jobs are never-ending, that even when we're off, we're not really off. See, our parents and our grandparents did something rather odd. When they left work, they actually left work. They weren't sitting at the dinner table checking their office email on their phone. They actually left work behind. They did this other crazy thing. When they went on vacation, they didn't check in with work. No one was texting them about production being low, and there weren't any Zoom or FaceTime meetings. You actually left work behind. But today, we work incessantly. Maybe we feel we need to justify our jobs or our presence or justify our paycheck. Or maybe it's fear that someone younger, smarter, or, 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 or better is waiting in the wings. Whatever the reason, many of us, we never actually leave our work at work. And so it's these three that create this perfect storm of job frustration in most people. 
So, so it, it, it's this, this idea then that our workplace can become toxic, or at least our attitude toward work can become toxic. I mean, just look at the phrases that we use regarding our idea of work, phrases that devalue work in our society. We say things like, thank God it's Friday, because Monday through Thursday was just, ugh. It was like I was being abused by Satan himself, right? But now it's Friday. It's rejoice, brothers and sisters. It's time to celebrate two days out of the rat hole. But see, now if we, if we take a step back, we'd see that Friday is now too far away. And so we needed to come up with another day to celebrate that got us closer to Friday. And so now it's hump day. It's Wednesday, right? Because Friday is too far away. And so now it's like Wednesday, guys, just hang in there. We're over the hump. We're through the worst of it. It's all downhill. And then Friday's coming and life is about to get better. Hang in there, people. We can do it. We have phrases like I owe, I owe, so it's off to work I go, like this idea that if I didn't have my bills, I would not be here, and I am doing this against my free will. It has even seeped into our art, lover boy, everybody's working, everyone's working for the weekend. I know you don't know that one either, you have to be old, over 40, and white uh, again. So, so let's face it, we have this toxic view of work, but maybe the problem isn't all out there. Maybe the problem is in here. I mean, 70% of the American workforce that hates their job, we have to say something is off. It can't be all them. It may be us. And so where do we start? I think we can start at the beginning. Let's explore what the Bible says about work. In the beginning of beginnings, uh, we see that God created. And on the sixth day, he uh, created his magnum opus, his masterpiece, humans. Little side note, on the sixth day, God created man, woman, and on the seventh day, he rested, which means the very first experience man and woman had was rest. It wasn't work. They were created on the sixth and the seventh, they rested with God in the presence of God, but that's a sermon unto itself. Here's what I find interesting. Shortly after God creates man, woman, he tells them what he wants them to do, and he gives them their original job description. Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make man in our, in our image, in our likeness, and let them, now catch this, rule over the fish and the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over the earth, over all the creatures that move along the ground. And then 28, no, no, go back. Verse 28, waiting on you, Daniel, go back a slide. There you go. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue. So I want you to catch the word rule. I want you to catch the word subdue. And then look at Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and care, take care of it. Catch that. 2.19. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. Then he brought them to man to see what he would name them. This, 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 there is some creativity going here. So I want us to consider the five related commands that we find in these passages. The first one is this idea to rule over. The five work-related commands, our original job description, God said, hey, I want you to rule over, that God designed us to take an active role in the development of his creative, creative order. That we were to manage and, and we're, we, were, we were to um, look after, and I don't think we've done a very good job with this, but this was part of our first ordained responsibility. The next idea was this idea of subdue. 
It means to overcome or to bring under control. It's going to take effort and it's going to take work to subdue. And then he said, to work it. That's right. God said, work it. I will never do that again. God said, work it. God calls us to work and to serve and to labor. Look at number four. God says he wants us to care for, that we are stewards of what God has given us to rule over, right? Care for it. And then finally, he says, I want you to name this. This is intellectual work. It's creative work. You have to be creative to come up with a name like platypus, right? And so this this is our original job description. Now look, way back in the beginning, shortly after creation, there was an expectation of work, that we weren't given this free ride. It, it, was, it was a place where man and woman would work, grow, develop the things that God has given them. See, I believe that God, as our creator, knew that we needed to have a purpose. We needed to have something to put our hands to, to put our minds to, or we'd go a little stir-crazy, as a lot of us are going these days in this social Uh, distancing that we're finding ourselves in. Now, most of us know the rest of the story. There was the fall of man. uh, Creation decided to be selfish. Man and woman decided to be selfish, put their own needs above God. They sin. All hell breaks loose, literally. And now they're left left with a judgment, or we would say the, the curse. And we see this in Genesis 3, 16. It says, to the woman, he said, I will greatly increase or I will multiply your pains in childbearing. With pain, you will give birth to children. Now notice it says, I will greatly increase, meaning there was always some sort of pain. There was always something that was was gonna go on there. You're pushing a baby bowling ball out with a body attached to it. So there was always some type of pain, but now he said there's gonna be an increase. And then look at what he says to, to Adam. He said to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife, it's always women's fault, and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Notice what he's saying there. He says, through painful toil, through the sweat of your brow. Here's here's what God is saying, is that because of our disobedience, that it's going to take more effort to do what we need to do. Right now you're going to plant, but there's going to be thorns and weeds that will choke it out. There will be be things that will take the nutrients out of the soil and will pose an obstacle to you. That means that sometimes you're going to put the effort in and you're not going to reap the reward. Does it all sound familiar? Right? And so, so, so this is part of it. Now listen, now, now while sin may have changed um, the output needed to produce something, we were always created to be productive. We were always created to produce. It was just the way that God designed us. So I want us to just kind of explore this idea of vocational health. I think I have four ideas I want to give you. The first one for vocational health is that we were created to be productive. I, I think every one of us likes the idea of production. We all like to check things off of our list. Sometimes I will put things on my list that I already did just to check them off my list. And I know I'm not the only one that does that. All right? Being fruitful and productive, it's part of God's design for us. We, uh, he, he created us in his image, and he is a creating God. And so now we are wired to create. We're wired to produce. We have the capacity to create. 
like no other creature on the planet. My, my golden retriever never thinks, if I could just, if I could just uh, till the earth, I could plant a seed, and if I could take care of that seed in, in three months, I would have food. Like there's, there's, not, there's nothing in the animal kingdom that is currently working on the wheel to increase production. Right? There, there's no schools of, of higher learning. This is part of what makes us human, this this drive to produce. Regardless of what your job is, there is an opportunity today for you to be productive, for you to produce, because all work is honorable, paycheck or no paycheck. It doesn't matter. It's honoring to God. We're wired to produce. That's why we struggle when we don't produce. It's why we struggle when production suddenly stops. It's why parents who become empty nesters suddenly have nothing to put their hand to because they were working to produce children and now that job is primarily complete and they don't know what to do with their time. They've lost production. It's why so many retired people don't like being retired because you can only sit and rock on the front porch for so long. They need something to put their hands to, right? Here's what's interesting is that studies show that retirees with no purpose and no productivity actually die sooner because we've been created to produce. We're wired for it. It's not a bad thing. Most people that I know who are not productive are not healthy individuals. That's just what I've come to observe. Here's number two, vocational health, is to put your assets to use. Use what God has given you. In other words, take your gifts and your talents and your abilities and put them to use to increase their effectiveness. Your hands are an asset. Your mind is an asset. Your creativity is an asset. Your brute force is an asset. Your personality is an asset. Take all of it. Your intelligence, it's an asset. Take all of it and put it to use, regardless of where you find yourself today. Listen, please. Regardless of where you find yourself today, you should be using your assets to their fullest potential. Wherever you are, work it. Right? That, that's, what God, that's what God wants from you. Jesus was a carpenter up to the age of 30. Nowhere do we have an account of Jesus saying, yeah, this is a dead-end job. Nowhere do we have an account of Jesus saying, you know, I'm more of a people person than a sweat-of-brow person. I have untapped potential. No, the idea is bloom where you're planted. Wherever you are, put your assets to their best use. Here's the next one I see to be uh, vocationally healthy, is to understand that tension makes us better. In other words, that all work has some level of tension that comes with it. We sweat, and it's stressful, and we overcome challenges, and we have to think and plan and create. We have to meet deadlines. We have to work with clients, and, and it, it, it's this tension that actually makes us better. Hey, uh, did you know that the reason why grapes from France make amazing wine is because of the tension that comes from them trying to establish their roots. And I'm, I'm not a wine drinker. I can't tell you the difference between a $500, $500 bottle of wine and a $3 box of wine. I, I, I couldn't, but you can read this stuff. I would think if I was to open a winery, I would think the best place to create a, a vineyard, to plant a vineyard, would be in a place that has rich, dark topsoil, like someplace in Idaho. But that's actually not the case. See, the great wine from France grows in thin, rocky soil where the root has to work to get into the, into the soil. And it's this stress, it's this process of tension that creates flavor that is unmatched in any other part of the world. 
It is this tension that brings out the beauty. It is the tension that brings out the flavor. So, so, so you're probably an interesting person because of the tension that you experienced in your life. In other words, people who sit on the beach all day are not interesting people. Like, dude, there was that one time when, when, when I was sitting on the beach, and you're like, yeah, and that's it. I was just sitting on the beach. Right? There, there's nothing there. It's the tension in life. Without tension, we, we would never be motivated to be our best. We would never be driven to do better and to succeed. Tension is good, so we have a choice. We can either look at the tension at our workplace, and we can try to eliminate it, which will never happen, or we can look at that tension as something that can make us stronger and that we can grow from. Here's, here's my, my last thought, is that we are motivated by reward. Now, I know that sounds sacrilegious, but we're motivated by reward, and reward isn't a bad thing. See, I love to work because of what work gets me, like food. It gives me things that I normally wouldn't have without work, and that profit isn't a bad thing, right? Look, look, at, look at Proverbs 14, 23. All hard work brings what? Brings Profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Profit, profit isn't a bad word. The Bible says when you work it, there should be a reward on the other side. Now that reward might be a paycheck. It might be a pat on the back. It might be a promotion. It might be a kiss on the cheek. It might be inner satisfaction of a job well done. It could be good grades. It could be a scholarship. It could be as a parent, we're motivated by the reward of having children who are healthy and contributing members of society. It doesn't really matter what it is, we're motivated by reward. That's not a bad thing. This idea of vocational health starts by changing our thinking, having it renewed. It's the renewing of the mind. It's not always out there. Look, we've had numerous jobs, and many of us could say, yeah, I didn't like that job, and I didn't like that job, and I didn't like that job, because, listen, part of the problem, it's in us. But we can have our minds changed. We can have our minds renewed. We can, we can have something take place in us. We can be transformed. And so my hope is that we will reclaim the beauty and the sacredness and the value of hard work. Be transformed, reveal. Be transformed spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally, relationally, financially, and vocationally. And it does not stop here. Continue the process of transformation. Continue your reading. You're close to finishing your devotional book. And then let's find something new to put our mind to. Pray with me, Lord. We've covered so much. It's been a great series, a series of transformation, a series of change. But we're not done, so we're asking that you would continue the transformation, continue the change in us, continue to establish something new, continue to grow us in all of these areas, spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally, relationally, financially, and vocationally. Holy Spirit, continue the work that you started in each one of us. Each one of us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And that reveal is a wrap. See you guys soon.